Good morning, everyone. Uh, this morning, I'm going to talk about living from presence. And as I, I thought about this talk, um, what, uh, what kept coming to me were poems. Um, because really, uh, it's more an art than a, um, uh, any set of you know, rules or shoulds or anything like that. And, uh, and in this talk, I'm going to talk, I'm going to, you know, just share some thoughts, ideas, and, um, and then, and poems. And, um, and then uh, we want to leave lots of time for your questions, because that's where it gets into, you know, the, the real, uh, you know, you're, you're asking from your uh, specificity and your interest, and, um, and so... Uh, that that will also be quite helpful. So uh, there will be time for that. <coughs> so to begin, what's so important in in living from presence, living from, uh, we could say, authenticity, living from um, the heart, uh, living from integrity, truth, all of these words apply, is um, that, that inner presence, that presence to and within our own being. Of course, you know, it probably goes without saying, but it's worth saying that our our practice, our daily sitting, um, our uh, bringing our mindfulness into daily lives is so important in this. Um, so, uh, establishing you know a time, a regular time to sit and. And not beating up on yourself if you miss that sometimes, but so it, it it shouldn't it shouldn't become a burden. But it it's really something that we do for ourselves to nourish ourselves, you know. Um, in the in the way it's not it's not an, just another thing on our list of things to do, you know. It can begin to feel that way, you know. Oh yeah, where am I going to fit in meditation? It's. Um, so it's it's this uh, time just to be, not to do, <laughs> and um, uh, you know we really need to bring that just that uh, that space into our lives um, because we can feel so driven by all the responsibilities and expectations. And um, so that somehow, you know, that sense of, of inner presence, inner uh, presence within ourselves gets, you know, just our minds are scattered, our minds are, you know, always focused on 
what's next, what's next on our list. So um, there's a poem by Kabir. Mm. Yeah, and uh, just another thing about um, about this busy, busy, busy. Uh, we can feel so virtuous as we're ticking off our our list of things to do, and we're accomplishing all this. And uh, and I was reading uh, something by a Tibetan teacher, uh, Tenzin Wangel Rinpoche, um, and he said it's really wanting mind. It's really desire. It's we're driven by desire to do, to do, to do, to you know, uh, to be here, be there, be everywhere, be all things to everyone. Um, and so it is a kind of desire, a wanting mind. And so uh, there's a poem by Kabir that I'd like to, to read about this. I said to the wanting creature inside me, what is this river you want to cross? There are no travelers on the river road and no road. Do you see anybody moving about on that bank or nesting? There is no river at all and no boat and no boatman. There is no tow rope either and no one to pull it. There is no ground, no sky, no time, no bank, no ford. And there is no body and no mind. Do you believe that that there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? In that great absence, you will find nothing. Be strong then and enter into your own body. There you have a solid place for your feet. Think about it carefully. Don't go off somewhere else. Kabir says this. Just throw away all thoughts of imaginary things and stand firm in that which you are. Really a kind of a, you know, that's a real teaching, you know, coming from that place of, of openness and awareness and presence. Throw away all thoughts of imaginary things, things that we think are going to make us things or achievements, you know, that are going to make us feel, you know, good about ourselves, and that even spiritual, even spiritual practices, can, you know, we can discover that we're we're doing spiritual practices so that, you know, we can we can feel better about ourselves because somehow it makes us feel more worthy. And um, you know, I discovered that that subtle motivation, you know, in my own mind. I, I'm, I just feel guilty whenever I'm not doing spiritual practices because, you know, I feel that I'm somehow not, you know, I'm not purifying myself or making myself more worthy. And we don't need to make ourselves more worthy. We already are that. It's just. It's, it's, a, it's really the nourishment of the heart, you know. 
that, uh, that the practice provides. Throw away all thoughts of imaginary things, so imaginary things outside of ourselves, and stand firm in that which you are. And so in meditation, we actually enter into that inner presence, that inner awareness, which is not awareness of this or that. Um, it's, it's simply that's, that simplicity of beingness. And so, and so, you know, it, it can... Our practice in the beginning is, you know, our, our minds are full of thoughts, and you might not quite, you know, get what I'm talking about when I say just that, that inner presence. You know, I think, oh, I, I haven't experienced that. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Um, and so, you know, just, just seeing the thoughts, just having that awareness of the thoughts that fill the mind, and and beginning to be more present in the body. You know, in the sensations of the body, in the energy of the body, in the sense of the body, just sitting, standing, walking on the earth. That is, you know, that is, uh, that that's that's what I'm talking about, and that that develops, that deepens. So. Another, another way that we live from presence is in our relationships. And I think that is, uh, you know, so challenging. It's the most challenging, the, our close, especially our close relationships. Because in those relationships, we have expectations. You know, like we want our relationship with our mother, our father, our children or siblings you know to to be in a particular way we want we want something from that we we have our agenda of what we want and um, and so um, so we get triggered when inevitably you know they fall short of our expectations um, and uh, and then we feel hard done by, or we blame uh, the other. Um, we feel needy and unfulfilled, uh, and um, and so that's all. That's all grist for the mill. <laughs> that's all part of our practice: is to be present with those feelings with those reactions and acknowledge that you know we come with an agenda uh, these are relationships which are you know they're karmic relationships so and it's not to say that sometimes in our lives we do we do distance ourselves you know from our parents perhaps even from our children, uh, our siblings, because, you know, there are ways, there are behaviors that we're experiencing which are 
harmful to ourselves or disrespectful. And I think that that, you know, that can happen, and that's, that's real, and that's sometimes appropriate. And that, and that action can be taken with compassion for ourselves and compassion for the other. And that's, you know, uh, and it doesn't mean that we stop necessarily loving the person or caring about the person. And that in the future, uh, healing can happen. But most, you know, most of the time we are in ongoing relationship and, um, and so, you know, can we really be open, be present with that person? And part of the way we can, we can really open and be present and be compassionate and empathetic with that person is to realize that, you know, whatever is happening in the mind of that person is our own minds are also capable of experiencing. Um, <coughs> so if that person is, is angry, you know, well, we're also able to experience and do experience anger. You know, resentment, jealousy, you know, all of these, uh, or, or, or a rigidity of thinking, or, or rigidity of behavior, you know, things that trigger us. Uh, they're all things that we've experienced and also have expressed in our lives. And, and there's a poem by Hafiz, uh, which is, he's quite playful in his, poetry and his teaching. There is a game we should play, and it goes like this. We hold hands and look into each other's eyes and scan each other's face. Then I say, now tell me a difference you see between us. And you might respond, Hafiz, your nose is ten times bigger than mine. Then I would say, yes, my dear, almost ten times. But let's keep playing. Let's go deeper. Go deeper. For if we do, our spirits will embrace and interweave. Our union will be so glorious that even God will not be able to tell us apart. There is a wonderful game we should play with everyone, and it goes like this. So it's it's a beautiful practice to to just look around. You know, when you're on the bus or metro or walking on the street and say, you know, this person also wants to be happy. This person also wants to experience a sense of well-being. 
This person also wants to be free from suffering. And maybe, like we have so many times in our lives, they're looking in all the wrong places. You know, maybe they're looking for to buy something that will make them happy. Or maybe they think you know, success in their profession will make them happy. It's not to say there aren't satisfactions and, you know, uh, happiness to be gained in all of these things. You know, we even get a, a hit of happiness when, you know, we, we see something nice in the store and we buy it and we think, oh, it's, it's really nice, I like that. You know, it just doesn't last very long. That's a little hit. But if we keep going for more and more and more, that's a kind of addiction. If we can take it for what it is, it's impermanent. You know, there's happiness and, you know, to be found in the world around us, you know, just in the beauty. Um, but it also is, you know, it's sensory, so it comes and goes. And so if we're dependent on sensory pleasant feelings, we're, uh, it's going to be up and down, up and down all the time. And so that, that, uh, that presence, uh, I kind of found my way back to presence in ourselves, but it's, it's, yeah, it's knowing that you know, everyone is looking for that. Like that, that poem by Rumi, you know, this we are now. You know, this this is what you know when the night sky pours by. It's really a, a crowd full of beggars, and they're all wanting some of this, this this presence we are now. We have uh, another another um, okay. Just back up for a second, and just to add in in the relationships, um, compassion. Compassion is. it's so important, and it's implied in what I said, you know, the empathy, the recognition that everybody wants to be free of suffering, everybody wants a sense of well-being in some way, however they might understand that. But um, to specifically mention compassion, because sometimes it's hard to feel that. It's hard to open to that sense of connection um, when we see people doing really unskillful things or people who are really in a bad way have, you know, whether through choice or not, and of course all choices are conditioned by you know, the range of possibilities that we have in our minds. So so for some people, choice is very limited. In fact, 
whole area of choice, you know, is uh, is actually something to consider uh, and reflect on within ourselves. You know, who chooses and how do we choose? Um, and so, sometimes we think, well, that person chose that that way, and and so therefore judgment comes up. And so compassion uh, is really important to to open to 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 cultivate um, to to suspend judgment to let go of judgment and um, and again to recognize that that common humanity that we all share compassion is challenging because it can feel you know the heart compassion is sometimes described as the heart quivers in resonance with the pain with someone's pain and so so we want to close our heart because that quivering in resonance with with someone's pain or the pain of another being My heart quivers in resonance with the with elephants who are being hunted for their tusks and other species that are being, you know, exter- uh, eliminated, which are facing extinction. And we can our heart can quiver in resonance with the pain of of life, and and it can be hard to feel. Can be hard to listen to the news and and not and if close our heart, turn off. And so, so it's you know, it's not that we we need to fix the problem. We can't fix the problems of the world. We can respond in in whatever ways we can, but we can we can keep our hearts open. So, um, so to live from an open heart is a really important part of our practice. And, and when we live from an open heart and we live with empathy in a very natural way, um, our ethics, uh, become clear you know because when we take what's not offered when we um, when we're when we use harsh speech uh, when we gossip about others you know that <coughs> that we we know we know that that's both harmful to ourselves and harmful to others so um uh, so the the five precepts that we that we took as we um, uh, as we began this retreat can be something that we carry, not in the same way, um, but in a in a way that's you know the, that it serves as as guidelines and reminders of our interconnectedness with others.
And another another uh, aspect, I think, of living from presence is what a Korean Zen teacher, Sang San, called um, living from a, a don't-know mind, a mind that doesn't know. Um, I once talked to a medical doctor about having a don't-know mind because you know he was talking about uh, this expectation that er- you know that people project on him that everybody uh, that 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 he's supposed to know everything about how to solve you know people's problems and and uh, so many physical pains and ailments are connected to our minds and uh, and so he doesn't always know you know what's how to respond and it talked about don't know mind and it was uh, he it was really a whoa that that sounds that sounds really far from where I find myself this compulsion to know I think that there's a lot of a lot of uh, expectation in our in our society in our culture that we have a lot of information and that we also have opinions opinions about everything you know so beliefs you know so so if you say well you know uh, uh, gee I, I'm not sure if you know, um, if this is you know this this policy or this uh, this decision being taken, you know, is right or wrong by my workplace, by my government. Um, it's hard often for people to to hear that you know because you're supposed to have an opinion, you're supposed to know. And and so we you know we may find ourselves taking you know saying things that we're not sure we believe or uh, or feeling you know that we're supposed to express some kind of belief about something and um, and really when we when we are living from presence we're living. From the the allness, the wholeness of life, where we're living from a space which recognizes that what is, you know, what I see as the good may not be seen as the good by somebody else, <clears throat> and so it doesn't mean that we don't act or we don't speak. But, but we can we can still hold in our hearts that that space of recognition that that um, that it may not be the whole truth. Uh, it's not the whole truth. Anything that we say or do, you know, by definition, is is not the whole truth. 
the whole truth is beyond words. So, um, so that that helps us to be more respectful. Uh, I did I did some training with uh, Joanna Macy. I did several rounds of training. Joanna Macy is a um, a deep ecologist, uh, an activist, and Buddhist teacher. Uh, she's an environmental activist and very outspoken. And about about many uh, issues affecting us, uh, climate change and uh, extinctions, and you know, so many things that we're facing as as issues, as a kind of uh, sickness in our world, and um, really coming from addictions and coming from. Uh, so much um, exploitation and and uh, heedless use of resources, uh, and and in this training, she, she we would sit in threes, and uh, and and one person would speak from their heart about an issue that they cared very very much about, you know, so say the, uh, the cutting down of trees in old growth forests. And then another person would just hold the space as a, a witness. And then the third person would be the, the forest company, the, uh, the lumber company. You know, and then and then they would respond. You know, they would they would talk about their perspective, and uh, so to receive that, you know, it doesn't doesn't mean that we we don't still you know care about the forest and want to save it. But but there's a uh, there's a way in which we make enemies of people that oppose our views. And I remember when I was uh, when I was young, I was you know 19, 18, 19, and I was quite involved in uh, the anti-war movement that dates me. Um, and uh, in in the U.S., I was living in New York, and um, and that was something that actually I I, I needed to withdraw from activism at that time because there was so much anger and I I just intuitively sensed you know peace doesn't begin peace doesn't take root in this environment of blame and hatred and anger against I mean we used to say don't trust anyone over 30 well wow (laughs) 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 so there was uh, so that you know that making an enemy. Um, you know we do that in our thinking, don't we? You know they are the ones to blame. Um, and um, and so uh, I guess. 
just the last point I'd want to make is that, you know, a very important, the most important thing that we can do is to keep listening. Keep listening to our heart, keep listening to life, because really, uh, that's who we are. It's not, we're not a self, we're not making our way somehow in this world. We are an expression of life. And, and life is always speaking to us through our heart, through, through how our life is unfolding. So keep listening, keep observing. Um, be open. Uh, you know, not hold on to all these stories about ourselves. You know, who would you be without this story? You know, who would you be without the story of someone who was uh, neglected? Who would you be without the story of someone who was um, who did something terrible? You know, to another person. I, I, I work with inmates in prison, you know, and and when I talk about forgiveness and forgiving themselves and letting go of the story, <clears throat> that's um, it's really hard for them, and there are sometimes tears about that that just come. You know, and are we holding unresolved issues in our lives? Are we holding resentments? Are we holding unresolved feelings of guilt? Are we holding unresolved grief? So to live from presence, if we are still holding these things in our lives, it's, it's really important to, to look at that. And, 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 and sometimes... We need support to do that. We need support of a professional um, therapist or uh, someone who works with trauma, PTSD. You know, these are these can feel very deep, and they are very deep, and they also can be released. Um, there was a, there is a, uh, a psychiatrist who, you know, speaks quite often at the Insight Meditation Society, and he told he told a story once about um, this woman who had been deeply wounded as a child by incest, and um, and and her process of realizing that you know, within her own being, that all constructed uh, formations, and when we talk about formations, we're talking about the patterns of mind, the reactivity, the, the stories that we hold about ourselves, you know, and so all that all of these are constructed and therefore can be released. They can be deconstructed. And, and so... It was um, a process, and it was, uh, you know, a like everything. You know, it's it's not linear. It can we can 
move around in a circle, and but somehow we're we're moving. We're not staying in the same place. We're may feel like a circle, but we're we're moving through it <coughs> uh, in a way that may not always be obvious. So, um, so just one more poem. Um, it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's called Hokusai Says, and it's by Roger Keyes. And Hokusai, uh, if you if you're not familiar with Hokusai, he is um, uh, he was a 19th century Japanese um, artist. Uh, pen and ink, uh, watercolors. Uh, his, one of his most famous paintings is that big tsunami wave, which you might have seen. Uh, and so Mount uh, <coughs> Sumeru. Um, so Hokusai says, Hokusai says, look carefully. He says, Keep looking, stay curious. He says, there is no end to seeing. He says, look forward to getting old. He says, keep changing. You just get more who you really are. He says, get stuck, accept it. Repeat yourself as long as it's interesting. He says, keep doing what you love. He says, keep praying. He says that every one of us is a child. Every one of us is ancient. Every one of us has a body. He says that every one of us is frightened. He says that every one of us has to find a way to live with fear. He says everything is alive. Shells, buildings, people, fish, mountains, trees. Wood is alive. Water is alive. Everything has its own life. Everything lives inside us. He says, live with the world inside you. He says, it doesn't matter if you draw or write books. It doesn't matter if you saw wood or catch fish. It doesn't matter if you stay at home and stare at the ants on your veranda or the shadows of the trees and grasses in your garden. It matters that you care. It matters that you feel. It matters that you notice. It matters that life lives through you. Contentment is life living through you. Joy is life living through you. Satisfaction and strength is life living through you. Peace is life living through you. Peace is life living through you. 
He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Look. Feel. Let life take you by the hand. Let life live through you. <laughs>